What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hey, Ms. Ponce. If you find this recording, don't feel bad about this. Part of the journey is the end. I finally rest and watch the sunrise on a grateful universe. The hardest choices require the strongest will. Thanos did oh God. exactly what he said he was going to do. What did you do? He wiped out 50% of all living creatures. Call control. Code red. We lost. All of us. Did we just lose? Tony. We're in the end game now. Old Father's given me strength. You and I were doing research. That would affect the team. That would end the team. Isn't that the mission? Isn't that the why we fight? So we can end the fight? So we get to go home? Remember this place. Home. Everyone on my position, we have income. I'm not as strong as you. No, you're stronger. Together, you and I, we can kill Thanos. This is gonna work, Steve. I know it is. Because I don't know what I'm gonna do if it doesn't. Like the old man said, Together. We're gonna trade lives, Captain. We'll lose. And we'll do that together, too. live with your own failure where did that bring you back to me what's up geeks i am mike and this is our avengers endgame review special where we have collected all the infinity stones and we're going to create a shit ton of paradoxes to tell you all about it joining me as always is the man who survived all three snaps what's up danny on your left, Mike. Ah, oh, nice. Oh, man, I should have thought of that one. He's, he's just happy that I didn't steal his line like I usually do. Yes. So here we are, guys. We are finally, in the same weekend that we got the crazy Game of Thrones episode, we get uh, Avengers Endgame. Uh, we also got that- the Gotham finale on Thursday. Yeah. He just took the words right out of my mouth on that one, guys. Uh, uh, So it was just a very, very packed weekend. If you're into sports, there was playoffs and stuff, too. So it was just it was an event filled weekend 
Uh, I also had a crawfish boil and my kids' little league game. So I was just, I was busy with, with fun. Crawfish, Avengers Endgame, you know, same level, same level. It was close. It was close. It really was. Uh, so guys, this is going to be a spoiler review. If you haven't watched the movie and you would be like one of the like six people on the planet who haven't watched this movie, uh, don't, don't listen. We're going to, we're going to give like, you know, a few minutes here of our non-spoilery thoughts and then we're going, you know, by the details. So, uh, I know there are some people who haven't been able to get tickets yet. That tells you how ridiculous this is. Danny, why don't you go ahead and tell them how much movies, how much money is this movie made at this point? All of it. Uh, so as of this weekend, this movie made $1.2 billion. <laughs> it is the highest opening weekend gross of any movie. The previous record was Infinity War at $640 million. Oh, geez. Double what Avengers Infinity War made. It caused theaters to be open literally almost nonstop for three, four days straight. So like those poor teenagers working the, the popcorn counter, bless your hearts. It took five days to make it to a billion. That is fastest by six days. Uh, it's the fastest. Let's just rattle them down. Fastest to 100 million, 150 million, 200, 250 million, 300, 350 million. Highest opening weekend gross. Most tickets sold weekend gross, 39.6 million tickets. That's 10 million more tickets than Star Wars The Force Awakens. That's 10 million more tickets than Star Wars The Force Awakens. That's insane. Uh, highest- I have never seen a fever pitch for anything like I saw Force Awakens, and I thought that this didn't feel the same way, but apparently it was. I mean, that's the American domestic numbers, what it did in other territories, and – the highest opening week in gross in every country from Argentina all the way to Qatar to Slovakia to Spain to United Kingdom, West Africa. Uh, it's insane. Like this, there's no record safe right now. Uh, if I'm Avatar, I run and hide because you said there are a lot of people who have not, who weren't able to go opening weekend in general or who don't want to deal with the crowds. There's a lot of people who wanted to go, but flat out, you cannot just roll up to the movie. You couldn't roll up to the movie theater this weekend and hope to find a ticket. Um, I wanted to see it a second time on Saturday, and I could not find a theater. And I have like four theaters around me that I love going to, and I couldn't find a ticket there. I saw it a second time Saturday. I know people who have seen this movie no fewer than four times, once per day. I I know people who went to the 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m. showing just so they could see it this weekend. I am, I've never seen the theater so packed. I've never seen, I've never seen anything like it when it comes to movies. I don't think we're going to see anything like it again, at least not for a long, long, long time. I mean, unless it's like, an, I, I don't even think that. Cause I've said, I think that this is the peak. I think it's the, you know, the, 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 the downward slope at this point, which not to mean it's going to be bad. Just saying that this is the peak and we'll get into why as we get into spoilers or whatever, I, I will say they, this. They, they, they keep exceeding my expectations. So what do I know? I mean, we we sat here and we thought 300 would be like a stretch, and they went to 357. Hmm. Their old record was like 265. That's I don't like I, these numbers are stupid. Like these are like the the small G. This is a GDP for like a small country. Like this is stupid. <laughs> I think I know how they did it. <laughs> I know how they pulled this off. Is they're using time travel to let people come <laughs> back in time to watch it early. That's what's going on. I will say this by the end of the second weekend, it'll probably sit at, it'll definitely be the fifth most grossing movie worldwide of all time. And it probably cracks 2 billion. 
I'm, I'm like, I can't think of a way to put this, the $2 billion in like 10 to 14 days is stupid. Like that's just, I, I can't, Disney has all the money in the world. They can do whatever they want right now. You know, what's even sicker about this. If you think about Robert Downey Jr. About how he worked in his contract where he got like upper percentage share. That dude never has to work again. <laughs> His generations of family down the line for 10 generations will never have to work again. So non-spoiler, we both saw it Thursday night. I, I saw it before you. What did you think? First, I'll start with a story that I thought was kind of funny. Uh, so we're walking up to the, obviously it's, it's madness in the parking lot. You couldn't even find a parking spot. And we got there 30 minutes early. Uh, you walk into the lobby and it's like, well, I ain't getting a fucking icy. I ain't ever going to get there. Right? And I was like, I also went on like a, a, a drink strike because I didn't want, want to have to take a wizard and spoon, which, you know, by the way, uh, Danny called me one of the, uh, get off my lawn generation. Cause I said, you know what? There was no, there was no intermission or bathroom breaks during Lord of the Rings. And I made it through those. So, uh, it wasn't my first rodeo, but you know, I'm, 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 I'm 15, 16 years older now. So, you know, the bladder works a different way. So anyway, long story short, we'll roll up to the window. And there is this lady with her kids outside just like losing her shit because the movie sold out. And she's like, well, when, when do you got tickets for the next showing? And they're like, Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> and she's just like, so mad. Like, lady, how unaware are you? She's like the ladies who go into the, go into the mall and try to buy like the newest gaming console and get mad that they're either sold out or she can't write, with, or she can't write a check. You know? <laughs> it's like, get with the now, guys. What did I think of the movie? Uh, I, I wrote my review and it uh, it got a reaction from people who didn't even read it, making it sound like I hated the movie. I have this ranked as my, not to skip to the end here, but I have this ranked as my sixth favorite MCU movie. Uh, I've said numerous times that this is such a top-heavy franchise that if you're cracking the top 10, you're doing something right. I, I still have it as my third favorite Avengers movie. We'll get into which ones those are as we go along. I did enjoy the movie. I just felt like it was kind of Return of the Jedi, whereas Infinity War was Empire Strikes Back. Whereas I'm not a Return of the Jedi hater. I really, really like Return of the Jedi. Obviously, it didn't you know, touch the one before that. There are no Ewoks in this movie. I'll get into the specifics of why. There was no nothing as bad as the Ewoks. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I did have some narrative problems with this. And you know what? To be fair... I don't grade on the MCU grading scale where every movie that it doesn't flash a Marvel Studios logo at the beginning gets nitpicked to hell. What we do on this show is we put on the Geek Media Court goggles and we dissect movies. Okay, so if it sounds like I'm complaining about stuff, guys, it's okay to throw constructive criticism and still like a movie. Some of my most favorite movies of all time. We've said on this podcast and we have criticized the shit out of The Dark Knight and we both love The Dark Knight. So no movie is infallible. It's going to get discussed but the good far outweighs the bad i had a great time with this movie my wife is not even a fan of a particular character and she cried so they hit all the emotional beats and for me that was good enough i will say first of all coco is perfect i, I will not hear any slander uh this is the most perfectly imperfect love letter to fans and characters and i saw this movie and, and Words where I wouldn't change a thing, I am satisfied. And it's important to note that I said satisfied. Um, we'll get into that when we get into the spoilers. I mean, I wanted to see that movie again right after I saw it. Part of that was the crowd. Seeing a movie with a seeing a movie like this with a Thursday night crowd who's like diehards who want to see this 
like really did influence my experience because it is fun to walk into a theater and everyone's wearing the shirt of their favorite hero. It's fun that everyone beforehand is like laughing and like having a good time. And it's like, these are my people. And I knew that because as soon as the movie starts rolling, we're laughing at the same thing. We're, we're crying at the same thing. We're mad. We're, we're riding the same emotional roller coaster. And I will say it probably influences me to watch Star Wars on that Thursday night as opposed to any other time because that's the, those are the people I want to see it with. Um, the, movies, the movie, I mean, I saw it twice this weekend. I would have seen it a third time if I could have found a third a, a ticket for Saturday. Obviously, I liked it. Obviously, I want people to go see it. It's not, like I said, perfectly imperfect. and We'll get there. But I, I did not think Marvel would stick the landing as well as it did. I thought that they... I thought it would crack under the weight of expectations and it hasn't like there are things that you can point out that aren't right or that were done incorrectly or that didn't really resonate. But on the whole, if you have seen all 21 of these movies, there's not a chance in hell you're going to leave and be pissed. I think that's all fair. I'll say this. You go and listen to our preview episode. Everything I said I wanted to happen happened. So, It'd be hard for me to sit here and say, hey, I didn't like it. That's just being stupid. Uh, all right. I mean, I guess we're ready to get into spoilers here. So, guys, again. You six people that have not watched this movie, get out of here. Yes. Yeah, although, if you have a social media account, it's been ruined for you at this point, right? <laughs> no, I, I will say, unlike Game of Thrones, where this episode, that episode last night got shred, like spoiled as soon as people were watching it, people have been pretty good, at least what I've seen about not spoiling in-game. And that is, I am impressed at the internet's restraint, or at least the corner of the internet I choose to look into. So, Yeah, I guess that's fair. And why is it okay to spoil before movies? Is it just because it's more readily accessible? I think so. I think, I think a lot of people who would go see Avengers Endgame who have spent 11 years, 21 movies on this, especially after you saw it, like I refuse to say anything to my coworkers the next day other than thumbs up, thumbs down. I didn't want to, I did not want the responsibility of spoiling it for someone and knowing that like, that's a moment that they'll never get back. I, maybe everyone else was in a similar mindset because I would have felt like shit if I had accidentally spoiled it to someone. And I'm, I'm glad to see that the internet for the most part has kept in line with what the Russo's asked. I hate spoiling stuff for people. I hate it. I know there's people who love to do it. I wouldn't spoil stuff from a six-year-old book when Lord of the Rings came out for people. <laughs> you know, I was like, that's not a spoiler. It's a six-year-old story. How can it be a spoiler? I wouldn't even do that. I hate being that guy. I hate ruining something like that, mostly because I love to watch the reactions. You know, uh, what, was the most, what was the best part about Game of Thrones? Watching everybody's reaction when the bad shit happened. You know, that's just a horror fan in me. So that was the best part of the second viewing was watching everyone's ex- reactions when I knew th- things were about to happen. And you're like, uh, uh, uh. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely different on the second hand. Uh, so, I mean, let's just jump right in. I'll, first, I'll say that this movie, the best that Hawkeye has ever been in this entire series. Because Hawkeye's always been a character like, ah, throw away. He could die and I wouldn't mm-hmm. care. Um, the way this movie starts off is twisting the damn knife. It's like a really good horror movie. Although I will say, what's with the starting with the Dear Mr. Fancy beginning? I thought I was at Guardians 3 at first. That sounded like something from Guardians 3. I thought that was a really interesting choice. Yeah. Like, what the hell are you talking about? I don't listen to that music. I mean, you're you're a music guy, and I've seen tweets like this, and I, the second time I paid more attention to it, the, the music and the soundtrack that they use throughout this entire movie, Marvel has really... 
since about, I mean, Guardians was the first instance of them getting music right. But really, since about Black Panther, they've really turned the corner as far as soundtracks go, and they've really emphasized the role that music plays in their movies. And I, I thought that throughout the entire thing, um, I think his name is Alan Silvestri. So mm-hmm. that, yeah. Uh, I thought he did a really great job of taking all of the previous themes that we have from these characters and kind of twisting them and turning them. And it's familiar. And at the same time, it's different. Um, the song choices that they made, uh, notably uh, at the beginning and at the end of the film, perfect calls. Um, yeah. I, I thought the music really did a really held up its own weight here. Uh, one of my criticisms of the MCU has always been that, yeah, the Avengers theme is very memorable, but hum me another character's theme. You know, that was always my thing. You never really know when. This was the first one where I really noticed the music while it was going on. And, and mostly it was that part at the end, of course. But uh, yeah, well, not just the actual music, but the actual score. And Sylvester, mm-hmm. come on, he did Force Gump, Back to the Future. Come on, this guy's good. Oh, Back to the Future. We'll get there. Oh, <laughs> little bastards. I will uh, say that the, theme, the sentence that Hawkeye says at the beginning that I think will really carry through a lot of what this movie is. Um, and I wrote it down somewhere because I had to see it. When he's teaching his daughter how to shoot the arrow, he says, look at the goal. Don't worry how you got there. And a lot of this movie, good and bad, can be wrapped up in that one sentence. To me, as we discussed the movie, it's very clear that they knew where they wanted to go. And Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Maybe don't look at how we got there because some of the there it did feel like some shortcuts were taken throughout this movie, or some things didn't quite line up. But they landed a lot of the emotional beats that we'll touch on throughout the entire episode, all the way through the end. And I think that's why people were happy is because they got what they wanted. But when you sit there and you think about it, you're like, wait a second, Marvel. What? Let's talk about this real quick. Well, they first had to get you that final dose from Infinity War. They didn't get. You get to see all of Hawkeye's family get dusted, like just while he turns his back. That's that was just creepy. Like just seeing the dust there when he looked for his daughter. Man, I mean, he's in the middle of nowhere. Like I'm sure you, as a parent, that was like yeah, worst nightmare. nightmare. Yeah, and for him, like he's middle of nowhere, secret farm. I'm sure he didn't know what the hell was going on for days. I will say that I am quite happy that the first 20 minutes of this movie is pretty much what we got in the trailers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. I mean, we have the drifting off in space. And again, it's a nice little subversion because the trailers create this ominous thing. And the first thing that we see is Stark in space is he's teaching Nebula how to play paper football. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Uh, and, you know, and I know you said that you were worried about not, not wanting it to be too funny. Uh, there was... Except for Thor, which we'll get to, I didn't feel like the humor was overdone. Uh, no. It was. I, I think it, it kind of eased the tension. You would think about, you know, you're basically in your last hours, and hey, cool, let's do something fun. Everyone handles PTSD and stress and dire situations differently. Like to have a character like Stark, like kind of accept it and like give a little quippy, like even even Thor, like. I think the way that they show that all these characters handling these moments, I think was believable. And yeah, you would, if, if you saw half the world die, yeah, you probably would, you probably would be really sarcastic and you probably throw out a bunch of lines and um, you probably wouldn't give a shit. And I don't, I'm with you. I I, I think it was funny at times, but it wasn't 
over the top where you're like, holy shit, you guys, like this, this actually, he killed everybody. Like maybe, maybe show me that you give a damn just a little bit. Well, I will say I do feel stupid that neither one of us, when we said, how does Tony get out of space? Neither one of us said Captain Marvel. And we had just seen the damn movie where she's flying through space. I don't know why neither one of us said this. Because the trailers had let us believe that the trailers in the end credit scene let us believe that she came down to earth and she didn't save Tony. And again, the Roosters are famous for shooting scenes that really don't matter. There's even some in the, the trailers, um, notably war machine. He is war machine, not iron Patriot, which is what he has to revert to at the end. And we never saw Thor in a trailer at all. Um, so yeah, like the Russos still smoke and mirrors, but yeah, no captain Marvel gets there. And I'm kind of glad because we knew he'd get back to earth anyway. So it was nice to have that. Like, yeah, let's just cut the, let's cut the bullshit. Let's get it. We got to go. Yeah. I see. that was where I was thinking, okay, this movie's going to be rapid. Eh, we'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> uh, I will say that, that when he's back on earth, dude, were they using some kind of like camera tricks or something? Because he looks so emaciated. He looked like Steve did in the first Captain America movie at first, man. He looked terrible. Tony did. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think it was computer effects. And uh, I'm sure Christian Bell somewhere going, he's like, yeah, some of us do that for real. We just harm ourselves. Welcome to Dallas Buyers Club. All right. <laughs> I think one of the nice, <laughs> I think one of the nice things that this movie did is that Tony, that Tony Steve scene where it wasn't, oh, I'm glad you're alive. Like, hey, we can do this together. I love that Tony was mad at Steve, that they didn't just like water under the bridge uh, Captain America Civil War, which was great because it gives more importance to what Civil War was, them fighting. Like the fact that he's pissed, not only did it give more importance to Civil War, it gave more importance to Avengers 2 Age of Ultron because they referenced that movie. Yeah, put a shield around the world. Uh, put the armor around the world. and you the you said we would do that together too, but we didn't do that together. And I love that. And that's, again, because we see Stark not angry or sad all the time, that really stood out. And Robert Downey Jr. was not collecting a check in this movie. He brought his, he brought everything he had to this role. And um, I mean, a scene like this shows because he really put it out there. And even for a guy like me who loves Steve, he's not wrong. Like, Oh, there it is. Oh, finally, finally, three years later, three years later, Team Iron Man. What's up, buddy? Welcome to <laughs> Coffee and Donuts in the back. Um, but at the same time, it was nice that he didn't go on this mission because, again, they didn't do this together either where they have their little plan of, well, yeah, why don't we just go kick his ass, Thanos's ass and uh, get the stones back and just unstamp them. And that's what they do. Yeah. Um... Did anybody think that this movie was starting like this? Anybody? Okay, we're just going to just go over there and just lop his head off. huh? And that's it. That's the end. And then the good old five years later, that surprised the ga- me. The gaps, the gasp when Thor chops off his head, just everyone at the same time, just <gasps> no one saw that coming. Not a damn soul, which was great. But at the same time, like, I mean, this is all the first 30 minutes of the movie. Like, where do you go from here? And Thor sucks the rest of the movie. There's my controversial statement. Thor We're going to disagree about that when we talk Thor. But You know how much I loved Ragnarok? I did not want Ragnarok inserted into the Big Lebowski, inserted into this movie. I did not want that. I, if it had been like a 10-minute thing, cool. The whole movie, hated it. I hated it. But I mean, Thor, Thor went from going to my favorite <laughs> adventure back to Tony being my favorite adventure. Oh, by the way, Mike, guess what happens at the end? You know, so. I will say out of everyone who's had, like 
you we talked before we went on air that oh is this Steve's movie is this is this Tony's movie I think you can make a court a, a case for the fact that it could also be Thor's movie as well Jesus Christ you, <laughs> the nice thing that they've done with Thor and uh Chris Hemsworth has talked about it uh doing interviews is that he wants to he really wanted to get away from Thor as Shakespeare and do something different with Thor. And the minute that they pushed away from that Thor Ragnarok is when Thor became interesting. And for me, like you look at what Thor has gone through and he's lost his mother, he's lost his girlfriend, he's lost his father, he lost his sister, he had to kill his sister, he lost his brother, he lost half of the Asgardian race, he lost Heimdall in front of him, rest in peace, Idris Elba, um, because we have to shout out Idris Elba any chance we get. Um, that that has to take a toll on him. And we saw him crack a little bit in Ragnarok. And we saw that wonderful scene where he's crying and he's like, but it doesn't matter because I'm still here and I'm still here because I have to kill Thanos. And he fails at that. And I think it's refreshing to see like, cool, what happens if he failed at that and he stopped giving a shit? And do they carry it a little too far with some of the fat lines? Probably a little bit like the cheese whiz line still stands out to me. It's like, that's just weird. Why, why would you say that? But this whole, the whole movie for him was like, I think for me that the punctuation point was, am I still worthy? And of course he gets the hammer and he's like elated that he's still worthy and that it doesn't matter what he has done. He can still make a difference to me. Like that just really resonated as far as the whole journey. Like, even a God can suffer from self doubt and wonder like, am I, am I, do I still serve a purpose? And it, it was an interesting take on Thor. And it's not one that we've ever seen before. And I, I don't hate it because it, it, it played in line with the story that they have told with Thor. And I'm kind of glad that they, that Chris Hemsworth kind of pushed and went for it. If they want to make him like a fall down drunk or something like that, that's cool. But like I said, turn him into the dude. No, that's not anything that I want outside of an SNL. <laughs> but the nice payoff, though, is you do eventually get your Viking Thor, your beefy braided beard, pulled back hair. Like you know what? Curse this movie for creating the fat Thor cosplay that we're going to get from every dad bod in the universe at Comic Con this year. This is this is right up your alley. <laughs> oh man, I'm thin now, so he he almost got the weight that I lost. So. <laughs> You can play emaciated uh, Tony. There you go. <laughs> I'll just say that uh, I hope that he does a lot of sit-ups before Guardians 3 that I'm assuming that he's going to be in. Uh, I, I won't say this much, though, because we did skip over it. One of the most powerful th- moments in that first 30 minutes, Tony ripping off his arc reactor. Yeah, yeah, that was good. No, Jeez, he's, not, right? he's not collecting a paycheck. Yeah, look, all right, guys, let's skip to the end here. This is his last movie, and you know what? He made it count. So we got the five years ahead. And everyone is scattered to the wind. And guys, this is the part where everybody asks me, where do I go take a, a take a piss here? When it says five years later, I told everybody the de- direct message to me. When it says five years later, I go take a piss because I'm sorry. This, this this took too long. This took too long to get going. Between this and the rat getting Ant-Man out of the quantum realm, way too long. Could have been tightened up big time. I don't need to cry for fucking 15 minutes. <laughs> to me, the, the pee break comes when you see the screen say Tokyo or when you see it say New Jersey – you could probably go and take a piss. Like both of those scenes are way too long. Um, we don't really need to see Hawkeye. Like that whole scene with Hawkeye and Tokyo. Deadpool. It was that same. It reminded me of that scene from Deadpool where he's. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, it just 
it's like, yeah, we know he went on a murder. But do we have to spend like five minutes like showing this prolonged thing, which I was grateful for the second viewing. Cause I'm like, cool. This is my pee break. I'm going to go. <laughs> Everyone looked at me like I was crazy. I'm like, no, know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I do feel like this setting the scene from Scott all the way down to like the, re, uh, the Avengers reuniting was a bit much. It could have been tightened up. I thought they spent too much time with Scott. Like, yeah, we get it. The world is there and it's dust and we don't need to see him run around like trying to figure things out. Um, ha- I mean, and I, and I like Ant-Man, but it's too much. Like let's have him find his daughter. And then that's having him see his daughter. Let's talk about his daughter. Can we talk about how his daughter in five years went from six years old to like 27? That was pretty cool. Bro. <laughs> I mean, is that my, I only know that because my wife, my wife goes, is that his wife? It's like, I don't know. I think it's his daughter. So Cassie has a birthday in her the first Ant-Man movie, and I think she's like six in that movie. And then Ant-Man and the Wasp comes out like three or four years later. So she's like nine. And then there's the f- 14 and looks like she's in her twenties. All right. Yeah. All yeah. I'll say. Um, I mean, we all know from the com. Well, maybe we don't all know, but in the comics, Cassie Lang does eventually find pin particles of her own. And she becomes a young Avenger. So they do have the actress already cast. If they ever want to go down that route, uh, a new wasp. No, she becomes like Ant-Man, like okay. Ant-Man. Ant-Man. Um, I forget my Ant-Man comic book reading is really <laughs> over the years. I haven't read since Hank was the Ant-Man. Uh, I mean, speaking of Hank, you do get your classic Ant-Man helmet in there. So like, that was right. I like that. I like that. And dude, it was so weird me out seeing young Michael Douglas. Cause it just, that, that would, that weird me out even more than seeing young Kurt Russell at the beginning of guardians too. So I, they, I call, they call Cassie stature. That's her name. Stature. Pass. Um, but anyways, Go ahead and give it I, I you. Tighten it up because we don't need to see that. The MVP of this movie, that rat. That rat doesn't get skied out of the quantum realm. Everyone's just like depressed the rest of the movie. And by the way, I know half the world's population got wiped out, but can somebody pick up a broom over five years? It was looking like Fallout 3 or some shit out there. It was like, come on. Come on. There's still even half the population was still a whole lot. We can clean things up, guy. But I mean, we we saw Steve in in his group therapy, like people are just crying randomly. Like no one has moved on. Like, that's the thing, which I think they – could you get more out of that? Probably, but, again, three-hour movie, you kind of have to gloss over the fact that, yeah, there's no one else around to do anything. I think about how many lives they destroyed because think about those people that did move on that five years, and then the snap brings – like, think about the people who got remarried, and then the snap brings, like, their, their wife back. Ooh, yeah. trouble. <laughs> I think the one thing that I did like that they did spend time on was, of course – Tony Stark, his five years, he, he's got his happy ending. He has a daughter, he has Pepper Potts, he's living out in a cabin, uh, he's not emaciated anymore, he looks normal, and... Well, he likes cheeseburgers. I, Don't cry. Don't cry. Although, I will say, it was incredibly selfish of Ant-Man and Steve to come and be like, hey, we got to do this unsnap thing. And like, what what is Tony supposed to say? Like, yeah. He didn't just say like, "Oh yeah, like let's do it." Like I like how he said, "Hey, I'm, I have everything I want. Why? Why do I care?" Because that's the logical answer. And B, I love that he made fun of all of the the time travel things. He's like, "No, this does this. This, this is not how this works." I love that he called out. He's like, "Are you quoting Back to the Future to me?" Like, 
nailed it. Like that's the perfectly logical response because they were insane to come and suggest that to him. I want to thank this movie for solving an argument between me and my wife because we argued. She says that Banner is the smartest, and I, I said that Tony is the smartest. And she's like, "Oh, get off of his dick!" Why are you always right? Because she you know she's still mad about Tony since before. She's never got over it. So she's just anti Tony. So everything. Oh, Tony's the dumbest Avenger. He's stupid. Banner's better. Everybody's better. And so thank you for this movie for pointing out that Tony is smarter. Banner might have seven PhDs, but is in time travel or time or quantum phys or physics or whatever it is. Although I do have the question, they if Tony figured out time travel now and they made a case that Wakanda's technology was like decades advanced, does that mean the Wakandans already had time travel and could have avoided all of this by just going to M'Baku and saying like, yo, let me have this time machine and fix everything? It was probably like back in the 80s, like partying. <laughs> <or something. laughs> um, okay, where are we at now? Uh, I mean, they daughter. I actually will say the stuff with his daughter as a parent, man. That 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 hit me, and I I was just I. This whole movie was me just like dreading knowing that Tony was probably the one going. You see the stuff with him and Dad. I love you three thousand. I mean, me and my kid have stupid stuff like that that we say. It was very well done. I felt like it was earned. Yeah. No. As soon as she said "I love you three thousand and you get that lovable kid character giving you a catchphrase, you're like, that's going to come around, and that's not going to land the same, is it? Mm. I don't say I'd go that far, but I knew that it was going to be something like that. Well, again, film student, like as much as something would like to surprise you, like there are still certain tropes that you can't get away from. Um, and one of those would be the Chekhov's gun of a child saying something. Because if a child says something in a movie, it usually is going to come back in at the end. Um, then we have the time travel bit where they try time travel with Ant-Man. And, and it's funny. No, I'm sorry. We skipped over the Hulk because that's what the Russos did too. What do you think about – what's your choice about that decision? I'm lukewarm to it. I don't know how I – I know they did this in the comics, but I don't yeah. – I, I don't – I've never been a fan of talking sentient Hulk. I've never been a fan of that. I <clears throat> I sent you the New York Times article where they talked about, like, their choice that they made was, like, yeah, no one wants to see Bruce Banner in a lab, like, performing gene therapy on himself. And, yeah, that's true, but – when you look back at Thor, when you look back at Avengers two again, where this all started with Thor or Banner versus Hulk, and then you go to Ragnarok, and then you have Endgame, where you're like, oh man, we're getting like an interesting storyline with the Hulk and Hulk and Banner, and they have to figure it out. And then five years later, cool, they figured it out. Uh, Bruce has repressed the Hulk; he's stolen the Hulk's body and put his mind into it. It didn't really sit well with me, like. It was funny for like a few, the few of the quips that they threw out, but at the same time, like it just a like it just glossed over. Like, cool, here's the resolution, all the stuff we've been building to. We're just gonna pass that by and get him to where we need to get to. And at the same time, it just doesn't feel like a Bruce Banner thing that he would just kick the Hulk to the curb because that's kind of what he did. Like, there's no Hulk. There's Bruce Banner in the Hulk's body, and kind of seems like a jackass move to me. If you're gonna just or what did, what did Tony say in uh, Avengers 2? Dick move, Banner. This is a dick move, Bruce Banner. Uh, the best thing that came out of all that was Scott telling the kid, just take the goddamn phone. <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing. I was like, damn it, why are these guys going to make me like, like characters? I don't I'm surprised them. you're not mad that the Hulk dabbed. Uh, whatever. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm old, dude, but I'm not like that goddamn cranky. Uh, <laughs> I'd say, you know, 
let's go ahead and talk about the at first, I was okay with the Thor thing. I thought it was funny because I felt like I was back in Ragnarok. You got what him and Mick are playing like Fortnite and yeah. you're talking shit to the kid on the headphones. I'm laughing. I'm having a good time. That's where I felt like, eh, can we not do this the whole? Can we have like another five year jump? <laughs> because I'm, I'm not. I'm not wanting a whole movie of this. It was good to see Valkyrie again. You know, you could tell pretty much that she's running the place while Thor's, you know, just burying himself in depression. After all my shit with Bruce Banner and that the diner scene, I was so happy to see Valkyrie and have her be like, yeah, you know, I preferred you one way or the other. This merger thing doesn't know. Like, I was so – it made me happy that the Russos put that in there because I'm like, I'm with you because this bullshit doesn't fly with me. Wait, what was his What was his uh, Fortnite name? God of Thunder 7 or some shit like that? Something like that. Um, oh man! Which yeah. I mean, again, it's that little glimpse into the the snap, the post snap world that no one made new video games. That they're still playing Fortnite. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Seven eight years later, yeah. I thought that was just like one of their promotional tie-ins, probably because I know there is a big, a big. There is the tie-in, um, but yeah, no, like think about like again, I like I kind of wish Disney Plus was already a thing because I kind of want to see this post snap world even though it'd be boring as hell like all the things that just like, there's no any like is there a government like who knows i don't know oh, no hopefully they all disappeared all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you were you were talking about the where they're experimenting with the time travel Again, that's the kind of laugh you come to expect from the MCU, and I didn't. I didn't hate it, or, or I, I think I, you know, I, I messed my pants, and it might have been old. I don't know if it was old me or baby me. I was laughing. I was laughing. That's pretty good. I'm laughing, but at the same time, something like time travel, like there's there was no consequence to that. Like they returned him to normal Scott, and it's just like, okay, cool, this is cute. But what are you trying to do with time travel? Like. I, and thankfully, Tony came in again to save the day because that's all he did in this movie was save the day. And I love that he knew already that, yeah, no, you fucked up. With, like, you turned into a baby, didn't he? And he's like, yeah, turned into a baby. Well, let's just be glad that they didn't make the decision to make Scott like baby Ant-Man the rest of the movie or something like that. Because that's when it would have been like, okay, between Thor and the Hulk exchange, if you do this, you guys got to stop this. You guys are trying too hard here. So thankfully, they didn't do that. No. But, I mean, we get the whole recruit the Avengers thing. That's where we see Clint and Tokyo being Deadpool. And and it's fine. Like, again, Clint had the perfect opening five minutes of the movie. Like, we didn't need to see him. I'm trying to figure out what... Flashed ahead to just him stabbing the guy and Black Widow being behind him. Like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. Yeah, we didn't need to see him, like, fight through this weird Skyway tunnel thing. And I don't know. I get it. You're trying to show that he's like, he's gone and he's a different person, but you already had seeded that with like the massacre in Mexico and you didn't really have to do. Someone told me that whole scene was put there because the, the actor that was playing whoever he was fighting is like a really big actor in China. And they were trying to get that China money. Yeah, no, that actor is a, a really big actor. Yeah. Uh, what is his name? I recognize him. I've seen him in a ton of stuff. I've seen him in tons of things. Uh, Hiroyuki Sonata. Yes. He's been in a, a lot of things. Um, let's see if I can find something that. Really, wasn't he in the Wolverine? Might have been. I. Oh, he's he's in Lost. Yes. Um, he's in, he plays Dogen in Lost. Yes. 
Oh, that's it. That's it. You know, that's what we're thinking of. Okay. Um, John Wick chapter three. Um, he is in the Wolverine. He plays Yoshida. Uh, yeah. So he's been in, he's been in a number of things. Rush hour three. Yes. He was Kenji. Yes. So basically you're setting up that black widow and Hawkeye are going to have somewhat of an arc in this movie going back to they have since the first Avengers movie. And it's fine. It's fine. It's it has a better resolution than and it has a better beginning and a resolution that it does in the middle for me at least. But let's get to my biggest problem with this whole movie, and that's them basically saying, "Hey, you know what? We listened to Mike and Danny's podcast where they didn't understand time travel. We don't understand time travel either. But we're just going to tell you guys to go with it. We're just going to say, you know what? Uh, nobody understands time travel, so just don't think about it. Just have fun." And that's exactly what they actually do. And after about the third time where I was like, how does that even work? I was just like, forget it. I'm just going with it. Again, Hawkeye's line at the beginning. Don't worry about how you get there. Just get there. I'm just saying if this was a DC movie, people would be going fucking bananas right now. <laughs> so time travel, as, as, as I understand it, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, time is a linear line that you're – you can't go back to the past and change the past because if you go back to the past, it becomes your present and then it becomes your future. Ah, we already did this. We're not doing it again. Past you, like there is no, like you can go see past you, but you can't change past you because if you do, then you start branching off into all these different alternate uh, timelines and it creates a mess. And that's important to note right here because we will talk about the timeline at the towards the end, but you can't change what has happened. What has happened has happened. You changing anything creates a new reality. So that's essentially their rules of timeline. Is that uh, watch this movie? I'm like, they should have called this Avengers Paradoxal Paradoxal <laughs> game because holy hell, uh, basically just calling out every time travel movie that's popular. I felt like that was them just saying, We know that this. Obviously, we can't say it's scientifically accurate because we haven't solved time travel. If we have, they're keeping it a secret from us. You know, they should because we would fuck up the timeline. If yeah, we would. We would. So, I'm not going to sit here and say they did this wrong and they did this wrong because you know what? I've taken a few astrophysics classes and even that confused me. So, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you that this doesn't work. Uh, from what I know about time travel, I learned from Back to the Future and Doctor Who. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not going to get too much on that. But I do think it was their way of saying we're not going to make sure that we cover all our bases here. We just want you to go with it. Yeah. If I had to look up what a Mobius strip is, and that's the design that they use for the, the time bands or whatever. And like, it was, I didn't know anything about it. And it's kind of interesting that it's a, it's a loop that kind of twists in and out. And so there's really no end or beginning. And it kind of made sense of what the timeline, how time works is like, cool. Like you're going forward, but you can go backwards and go around and, there is no beginnings or end to the wheel of time, Danny, but this is a beginning. I, I will say this. We, we did sit here and we did. We talked about this for way too long last week and time travel is tough. I kind of wish people would stop doing time travel stories because it doesn't, it, you, it doesn't really work. And it doesn't work because everyone interprets time travel differently. And because of that, there's like no rules of time travel and it just becomes a big clustery mess. Now that this became a big clustery mess, there's it's a mess, and there are some things that they. I'm sure, if you go through and you try to decipher it, it will feel that way. For yeah. sure. Um, but I mean, let's 
I mean, they use time travel. They break up into three teams. They go back to yeah, two. Let's go to the fun part. And for me, that's yeah. the year 2012. That's the fun part of this whole movie because it's so many callbacks. You got them all back in these. You got Cap back in his terrible cosplay costume. <laughs> you got oh, – wait, wait. What would Scott say that that's America's ass? Uh, in the same that's scene, like, I was like – then it shows Scarlett Johansson walk away. I was like, they're not going to make a comment about that ass because that was America's ass in my opinion. Sorry. I, I, did, love, I did love seeing like – the post of end of Avengers where it does, it does solve some things. Like I love Tony's little quip about like, okay, let's stop posing guys. <laughs> like, you know, and it seemed, it almost seemed like a uh, cut, you know, and, and, and like they're shooting a movie and cut. Cause they're yeah. all like, over there making drinks and stuff like that. <laughs> so it was a nice little like peek behind the curtain. Uh, it was nice to see how Hydra got the wand or, or Loki staff with the mind stone and what happened to the cop, the Tesseract and, do you know why this is the greatest? Because I've been messing with my kid ever since that comic book issue that pissed you off about Cap's Hell Hydra. I've been messing with my kid ever since then. Yeah, Cap's a bad guy now. I was like, no, he's not. I was like, yeah, he said Hell Hydra. And now he fucking said Hell Hydra, and I get to hold this over my six-year-old forever. That's where I'm at in life, guys. I'm holding stuff like this over my six-year-old. So their plan isn't a bad one as far as the 2012 timeline goes. Like They're going to distract and steal the cube. Uh, Steve's going to take care of the, the, the staff and uh, Hulk, <laughs> one of the funniest Hulk scenes where he's ashamed of the Hulk, which again, it's funny, but then you think about the fact that Banner has erased the Hulk and you're like, oh, that's, that doesn't really sit well with me. It's you know, of- Hulk being embarrassed, when him being embarrassed, seeing like how he was, is like me when I'm like on time hop, yeah. like one of my Facebook posts pop up from like 10 years and I'm like, who was that guy? Yeah. I did love that he was just like, um, and he's going off to get the time stone. And this is where you get um, the ancient one. One of our first surprises. Very cool. That was very cool. Dude, she like separated a banner from Hulk. That's awesome. That was cool. The fact that again, we see how powerful she is that she knew that Stephen strange was a thing. He's performing surgery 20 blocks that way. And he will become the best sorcerer supreme. Um, that's all really cool, like magic-y shit. And, like, well, she was wrong because Wong is the best Sorcerer Supreme. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I, I am grateful because we do see we see Cap do the Hell Hydra thing. Again, they fight himself. That was awesome where he fought himself. Come on, I can do this all day. I know, I know. That was awesome. That was they, the they, nailed, they nailed the scene because they. I expected them to redo the elevator scene. The fact that he's like, he's like, no, no, I know this. Hell Hydra, give me the staff. And then he fights himself. The One of the biggest laughs for me in the entire movie is I could do this. I know. I know. It's yeah. awesome because you expected him to say it. You know, that was just too good. Yeah. No. It was a great fight scene. Again, a little bit of a, a loophole because he doesn't have, in the original Avengers, he loses his mask. It gets ripped off of his suit and he doesn't have it for the rest of the movie. So where did he get this mask? They only did it so they could have the stunt double in there and like not worry have to worry about the CGI. Hey, dude, comic, comic, classic book thing. Having to fight yourself, yeah. matched. That, that, that was cool. That was. And awesome. then he uses the Bucky line to distract Steve Rogers. I'm just like, of course, like he knows himself so well that he knows exactly how to play it. And then of course he says, "That's America's ass." And- uh, huh, uh, so explain to me with this thing with Loki. Okay, he picks up the. This is where I started getting really, really fuzzy on the time travel stuff. He picks well, up is, the Tesseract. He like disappears. So is Loki alive now? Is this leading us to our Disney Plus series? 
uh, everyone assumes this is the truth. The way that this worked at the end of the movie, when they start returning the stones, um, how did you turn the space stone back into the Tesseract? I'd love to know that. But even if they return the stone to this moment, Loki has still escaped with a, the stone and he is left somewhere. So in my mind, this is a, this is another, this is a branch of time. This is an alternate reality now that they, I assume they didn't undo. There is a version of Loki who is alive with the space stone somewhere. And maybe that's what his Disney plus series is about him traveling around into misadventures. So correct me if this sounds wrong and I know it's fuzzy, but in their version of time travel, there are like basically different copies of people because we're going to talk about in a little bit here where older Nebula shoots younger Nebula and doesn't disappear. So, I mean, am I supposed to believe these are like just complete copies? I think Thanos says it best. He says it's not, it's not two Nebulas. It's Nebula twice. <laughs> Maybe even Thanos don't know. <laughs> he says it to the fact that it's not, that they are two different people because again, you can't change your past because your past becomes your present and your present becomes your future. So you made a mistake and you said, you know what? If I could go back in time and change that. And you, it's like the prestige. Yeah. You go back in time and you change that. Does that mean you got to kill your copy? Perhaps. Oh man. See, now we're getting way freaky. Philip K. Dick. Well, episode <laughs> but the way that but the way that this works in their timeline is that the main timeline is intact and now that there is an alternate universe where loki is alive and running around with a space stone so i mean i guess they get to do what if with loki all right let's do asgard 2013 and it's the moment we've been waiting for the big Thorbowski. it is jane foster's return to this franchise where she gets the table was this archival footage or was this new this was new. She was at. She really showed up to do where she gets up off a table. That's really what she showed up in this movie to do. If Marvel says, "Hey, you want this fat check and to be part of this movie?" What are you going to say? No. Uh, for me, Rocket was the best part of all this. Well, I don't know. I did like Thor being seeing his mom again. I that that part did that that part did work for me. I loved I, I loved the pairing of Thor and Rocket. Uh, I'm surprised. That's in Infinity War. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really wish he had said rabbit. I really wanted the rabbit. Um, I see the other Asgardians call it get the rabbit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a great scene. It's It was a great scene to see the big Thorbowski. Again, he is shaken to his core. He doesn't know He doesn't know what to do. Uh, and uh, Again, they, they made him. This is what Marvel does better than DC. DC, their movies are about gods and monsters, and it's about bigger, larger-than-life moments. Greek gods, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. For Marvel, the whole hook of what Marvel is is that their heroes are relatable. And, I mean, Peter Parker, classic example, that he's a kid who happens to get powers and, like, tries to do the right thing. They made Thor very relatable and that Thor's a failure and he doubts himself and can he get over that? And the scene with his mom was actually really, like, really well done. That whole speech is one of those things where you're just like, Damn, why didn't they do this in Thor 2? Because this is better than what Thor 2 ever was. And they clearly misused all of these actors and actresses that they had for Thor 2. Well, before I sat there and thought about it, 
and thought about, okay, duh, at the end, Cap goes and returns Mjolnir. What I first said was like, so if he went back there and he took Mjolnir, does that mean that Thor 2 like never happened? <laughs> and honestly, did you not get the idea that they were making fun of Thor 2 in this movie? Like, who's no. kills? Ooh. <laughs> yeah. No, that whole thing where he's giving the story, I'm like, yeah, this is exactly how I feel about Thor 2. So even they have accepted that, yeah, that's a just terrible, terrible movie. But they learned from it. And, and again, this was a, a great use of playing with what we knew. And it was it was really interesting to see the new Thor, the comic Thor, back in like the Shakespeare in the park scene because it, it shows you how far he's come and how we we believe it and we we've gone along with the ride and like we, we aren't mad that they took a chance on making Thor funny. Uh, right. Are you ready to move on to Morag in twenty fourteen? Uh, yes, because funniest awesome. part is if you've ever been like me and you've ever been caught with your headphones on where you're singing and then you realize someone's watching you or something, loved it. I loved it. I was like, whoa, they're really gonna go and come and get your love in this movie again, but where he's he's singing it and they just like watching it, like, so he's an idiot. That that was funny. That that felt like a real Guardians moment, so yeah, I, was I fucking love Rory. I love Rory so much. That one movie justifies why he didn't, that one scene justifies. <laughs> I, it's also again it's a really interesting pairing with Rhodey and nebula like the two like half robot half people things because it actually like i was surprised at like how their, their little emotional beat at the end like how well it actually works for me that it's like oh yeah you're like half robot and she's half robot and you guys are here's the point they knock out star lord to, to to get this uh to get the power stone and i'm just thinking like Okay, I gotta turn this off because right now I'm like, okay, so Thor two doesn't happen now. Guardians isn't gonna happen. I was like, I'm confused at this point. That's before I realized I said, okay, they're going to return them to the point when they were taken. I'm really surprised that they didn't have Korath show up. Like, I was kind of, I was kind of hoping he would, and he would get another like, who, what? who? There, I was like, they're gonna be like, hey, Ninja Turtle, stop pushing me, man. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, but I mean, this again everything's going smoothly and then you realize like i'm actually really glad that they happen like that she shares the same neural network and uh-oh old uh, original thanos knows now what's going on and that's what the movie just kind of flipped from being a fun lighthearted romp to oh fuck yeah remember this guy yeah yeah the crusher of this, is, this was og thanos who was like he's here for blood and he he ain't here to fuck around uh, this is Thanos who just sits in a chair <laughs> tells people to bring him the stones. Uh, I guess what we're going to go to Vormir. Uh, so you know what's going to happen here. Uh, I was personally hoping that Cap would go to Vormir so he could confront Red Skull. But I'm guessing, you know, at the end of the movie, when he has to return all these, did he have to see Red Skull? Or was Red Skull, like, released from his things and someone had got this? Is he released from his prison after after someone gets his whole stone? So, I don't know. It's fun to think about that Cap had to confront Red Skull again. I mean, when you think about the timeline, and he had to go back and put the soul stone back before, right after the moment it was retrieved. So he's just sitting there looking at Black Widow, like, "Oh, sorry about this." So, I mean, a there's that. And we'll get there, but B, like, if he puts the stone back, does that mean that Red Skull comes back? And again, does he see Red Skull? And do they fight? That's all I could think about. The forgettable first Avenger movie, and all I can think about is, oh, does Cap get to fight Red Skull again? You know, but whatever. Uh, so, I mean, I'll be honest. 
I was like, okay, I've been waiting for either Black Widow and or Hawkeye to die this entire series, really. I always felt like they were kind of ex- the expendable ones. Uh, sorry if anyone's like, real big fans. I'm, I'm not trying to be like that way. I just, I feel like going off of established characters, I felt like they were the ones that were expendable. I've been expecting Hawkeye to die since Age of Ultron. So the fact that it, 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 it does a switcheroo on you like three times in this scene was actually rather surprising to me, but I said that I feel like that this was the first, this is the best movie that, that I've, we've had Hawkeye, even with the long scene and all that stuff earlier. Because if he had died here, I actually would have, I actually would have, you know, felt bad. Yeah, I think they did. They did a wonderful job because they, they have been building these two characters and their relationship since the original Avengers. Like, it's clear that they care about each other. And when they start fighting over who would die... It's, belie- it's believable that they both would want to save the other because we've seen that. And this is where Marvel starts paying off 10 years of storytelling because I didn't know who was going to die. I'm sure they shot it both ways where both characters die just to throw people off. And it could have gone either way. And I, I think it would have been a good choice. I think they made the right choice. It would be incredibly black widow for her to say, no, I'm going to save you so you can see your family my whole thing was getting here and getting back to the stones and getting, getting everyone back. And I mean, she didn't even know her dad's name. So like she had nothing really except for the mission. And it's the right, to me, it's the right choice. It does make me wonder like, what is this black widow movie going to be about? If like, what's the be a prequel at this point, right? It's gotta be a prequel, but at the same time, why? Why? What's what's the importance of telling the story now? Um, is it going to be? Is Barton going to be in there? Are we going to finally get to see what happened? And uh, what's the mission that they keep referencing? I don't remember, but I know Budapest. Budapest, because they reference it on the yeah. Um, but no, I think it was a really well done scene. And again, they they do the Soulstone music, and you you can feel the emotions like rising because you're like, oh no, oh no. And it unlike Gamora, who was flung over the rock she threw herself and I didn't think that they would show the blood, but they did. And rest in peace, black widow, because uh, as they pointed out, it is irreversible. They cannot get her back. Even if they time travel and bring back past black widow, (laughs) that would change. If they bring back past widow, that would make it current widow. That's what what I'm calling it. Past widow. I don't know. I'm going to talk about my favorite part of this movie. And it, it it seems weird. Everybody has like their favorite part. And probably I'm the only one who says this, but New Jersey, 1970. This is my favorite part of the whole movie. I felt like even going back to the parts of Iron Man 2 and Iron Man 3 that you didn't like, the stuff with his dad was always something that I was like, I, I, I want something more there. So him getting this last moments with his dad after, you know, seeing how he had died and all that stuff was just super, super special to me. I thought the scene was acting wonderfully. No one plays nervous apparently better than, than, than Tony Stark does. Cause that's like me first day a new job right there. Uh, but it was just, it was touching. And I mean, I've said that my wife who is a Tony hater. Even she got teared up here. And this is the first part of the movie that got me with the emotional beats. This was, that was it. That was a really, really special moment. It was completely earned. I said, remember you go back to Iron Man 2, I believe, and he's like watching that video and then at the, at the yeah. end where he starts to say, Tony, you know, you're my greatest treasure and all that stuff. It played back to that and I'm going to get emotional thinking about it right now. I just thought that maybe it's the, 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 the dad shit in me or something like that, but it just, to me, it felt like a really special moment and that was the moment I realized 
Tony's a goner for sure. He's saying goodbye. It's the line where he, where his dad says, "Oh, I hope he's not. I hope it's a girl." And he says, "Why?" And he's like, "Ah, because then you know there's less chance that he'll be like me." And Tony questions him, and he's like, "Let's just say that I have not acted out of my self-interest all that often." As soon as he said that line, I'm like, cool, Tony Stark is dying because that's going to be the difference. That's going to be what he learned from his father is to be better than his dad. He has to sacrifice for his daughter. And it's a great scene. John Slattery, one of my favorite actors, um, back to the Mad Men days, probably the best part of Mad Men for me in a lot of ways. And like you said, it, it, it calls back to Iron Man 2. It calls back to Avengers. It calls back to Avengers 2. I mean, you think about the groundwork that it sets, it, I mean, remember Iron Man at the very beginning of all of this, genius billionaire, playboy philanthropist. He's not the guy who's going to fall on the wire. He's the guy that's going to cut the wire. Um, so this set up a lot of that. It also set up the Captain America Peggy stuff. Um, it's really hard for me to believe that Peggy Carter, super spy, is going to stand in front of a glass window and not see that there's this dude that's staring right at her, right at her. Also, she aged amazingly over 30 years, didn't she? <laughs> May we all find a Peggy Carter. Yeah. So this is my biggest problem. I, I thought that they were going to have Cap have a speech to see what Cap would do later in the movie, but he she didn't. And part of me wonders, does she not do that because Steve has gone back in time and she knows he's there and she's playing it straight. Like, cool. Like I'm going to pretend not to see you because still- what happens when you mess with time travel. Yeah. Again, I don't know. Is, is that, is that no? because that would be Steve's present. And if he goes back in time, Steve's present becomes his past, his future and his past becomes present. And do you see the problem with time travel people? Yeah. Put do- up the Charlie gift from, from always on in Philadelphia right now. That's what you're doing. Um, but at the same time, it, both what this scene does is see both of our heroes with their end goal. One is going to die. One is going to go back and live. And that's what that, that's what New Jersey does. Aside from the wonderful uh, Ant-Man original helmet, because that was pretty fucking cool. I'm, I'm glad that they snuck that in there. Yeah. So it was, it was really good. Um, I guess so they get them, they get them all there. And what, I was actually confused when he said, I, we got to think about a time where all these things were together. And I could not remember what happened in 1970 that the, that the, that the, the Tesseract would be there. So remember the end of Captain America, the first Avenger, Howard Stark fishes the Tesseract out of, um, I guess it's the Hudson or wherever. And it becomes shield property. Oh, it's been so damn long. See, I really should have done a rewatch. It stays Shield's property until uh, Captain Marvel, where uh, the original Captain Marvel—I forgot what her her name was—takes it and does the experiments up in space with the the scrolls that were captured. So between those times, it's going to be under Shield lock and key. And Shield was, as we learned in Captain America: The Winter Soldier, Camp Lee Lee or Lay or Lehi or however you say it, um, which is where Captain America was born. So that's where you get all of these things kind of converging. Um, and of course, we, because you are an astute Ant Man watcher, you know he worked for Shield all the way up until 1989 because that's the opening moments of that movie. Is he essentially quits Shield? So they put it to, and of course Stark's dad being part of Shield, he would know that Shield was headquartered there, and that's where everything kind of converges. 
and a nice little neat bow uh, to put you with pin particles in the space dome. I, I see you. You get you like an Excel spreadsheet or something. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen these movies a lot, but I mean that's the point of it is that not only the seeing those movies and the fact that they were encouraging rewatches gets you to the point where you know everything that's going to happen and have it fresh in mind. What I've learned is after seeing this movie and you go back and you watch some of the old MCU movies, it actually enriches it because it clues you in on a lot of other things that you know will happen down the line. So end of the day, when you have those 22, that 22 Blu-ray set, that's going to cost like a bajillion dollars. It's going to be something to see this entire story, like the entire way through. I would say I, I would look forward to a fan edit who does like a chronological version of these, of these 22 movies. That would be a really neat idea. You know, because some movies, it just has like a scene in the past, something like that, you know, but yeah. put everything in chronological order and put agents of shield in there because it matters. Right. Hey, for hope. Although oh. that was a nice thing about 1970 is that we get our confirmation that the Peggy Carter series is canon because we saw the Jarvis from that series. Yeah. yeah. His MCU appearance. No, uh, no Coulson though. All right. Uh, <laughs> so I guess what's left is the big fight. Is the big fight what's left? Uh, yeah, we have all the stones. Thanos knows of. Oh, we get the snap. We get the the the, the second snap. Yes, the, the, the Hulk, Hulk snap. Hulk has to do it. Hulk has to do the snap. And I will say, it was, bullshit. There's no way that Scott Lang lived through missiles right to the face just because he shrank. <laughs> I was like, damn, Ant Man's dead. <laughs> I will say it was. It was cool that they were arguing over who would wear the glove. Uh, Thor, again, references that he is, the, in fact, the strongest. Of yeah. um, and it was kind of interesting. I don't know if he would have – I mean, he would have survived the snap, but at the same time, it was interesting that Tony uh, – Tony, of all people, is like, you're not in the right space to do this. Like, mm-hmm. you're – again, you, it calls back to Iron Man 2 when Tony was, like, off the reservation and – it's a nice moment to see, but of course Hulk was like, yeah, this is gamma radiation. This is me. And, um, made the snap happen as Nebula is pulling past Thanos into the present to blow the shit out of everything. No one, no one died in this missile explosion. It's really kind of hard to believe. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, no, it was, that that was, I was like, well, they just killed Ant-Man. I didn't expect that. I mean, then I saw him, but like, there's no way. There's no way. All right. But, you know. The important thing was before the missiles hit, we did learn that the snap worked because Hawkeye's wife, mm-hmm. a great emotional crutch, uh, gave him a call. And you know that, cool, the snap was undone. And I'm thinking, okay, so if all the other Marvel heroes are alive again, it's always going to take a little bit to organize, you know, because you think, okay, did they reappear right where they disappeared? So. Mm-hmm. Is, is Peter on fucking Titan by himself right now? <laughs> well, I guess with the rest of the Guardians. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, see, I got to think about the logistics here. It, it takes a while to get over there from Wakanda, but I guess Doctor Strange was like... He said it. Portals, right? Well, he said it, uh, Peter, when he's in the... When he's like, yeah, I woke up. He's like, we were on space, and then I woke up, and we're back in space. And then, like, you weren't around, but Doctor Strange was there, and Doctor Strange is doing his little spinny thing, and and he finally got his, his hug from, from Uncle Tony. Yeah. Um, but, of course, you know, the glove is underground. They're looking for the glove. Uh, Nebula, past Nebula, past current 
uh, Gamora. Um, but I mean, th- really, this centers around the the Avengers Trinity and Thanos, and and he whoops her ass again. It's interesting because they did give away some of this in the trailer. This is like the one snippet that they gave away is that we thought it was current Thanos, but it wasn't current Thanos. It was past Thanos. And you failed and it led you back to me. Yeah, It's a great line. And A, I love seeing Viking. I'm going to call him Viking Thor because he's like just braided up with his beard and his hair and he's dual wielding Mjolnir and Stormbreaker like a badass. And yeah, they, he Thanos whoops their ass. Like it's not even close. Like Thanos... Dude, he broke the shield, man. It's crazy. What's that blade made out of? That's what I want to know. Um, Adamantium. <laughs> they can say that. We <laughs> got it back now, so it's, it's it's not vibranium. It's adamantium. Yeah, uh, but I mean, at the same time, Hawkeye's trying to save the glove, and we have that weird moment or current past Gamora. Oh, Nebula. Current Nebula shoots past Nebula, and because past Nebulism, that's past Nebula's present. And current Nebula's present, that it doesn't really do anything when past Nebula dies. Not convoluted at all. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. And guys, I'm not exaggerating this. Like, again, love the movie, but when it came to time travel, there are some things that just don't really mesh up. Like, either what, either if you affect the past, it affects the future, or it's all linear. But if it's all linear, at some point, like, the paradox of two people, the same two people being at the same moment, it can't happen. Like, it doesn't work. Like, it, there's a paradox, people. And it's, I really wish that they would explain that one moment to me. The moment that we all knew was going to come was when all the other Avengers were going to show up. And I don't know uh, it wasn't. You're skipping one of the biggest cheered moments in the movie. What's that? Uh, Thor is about to die, ironically, because of Stormbreaker to the chest. And Captain Freaking America picks up the picks up moment. We talked before this, guys. We said we both saw it coming, but it didn't make it any less awesome. The Thursday night crowd I saw this movie with with erupted. Like we were erupting the entire night, but when that happens, like literally, like the people around me and me were like, "Oh shit!" Oh wow, this was great. The crowd that I saw the movie with the second time around was subdued until this moment when he picks up the hammer. And he, you see that shot, like this crowd erupted. Like I've never seen, like, I think, what did you reference the uh, Thor's entrance in Infinity War, like a WrestleMania moment? Mm-hmm. This is that moment because like people were for it and Cap just wielding it, throwing it, you hitting his shield with it, pulling lightning. This was. I had a dead crowd. I, the only thing that we, my crowd did not really do, I mean, there was some applause, you know, when they're all, when all the characters are coming back, I'll say probably Black Panther was the ones that they get, probably got the most in my audience, but it wasn't until the end credits with like the signatures with Robert Downey Jr. When everyone in the whole place was like standing ovation basically. But I guess I had a dead crowd. I don't know. It's weird. The Thursday crowd I watched it with, I, first I was annoyed because I'm like, guys, every time you cheer, I can't hear the line. Like, let me hear the line. And I'm going to get to that here. I feel like maybe seeing this a second time without stuff like that, I'll, I'll appreciate it more. It just it felt like it could have been more epic, this entrance of all these other characters. And I just felt like it was just okay. And that's, that's I, weird. I got chills both times. And I, I got chills the first time when you see everyone come out and like, you see the scale of the universe that they have built. Um, 
the second time as like as you hear Sam's voice, that's where the chills kind of kicked in for me. To me, it's epic because I mean, it's everybody, it's every hero, everything that we've seen, everything that we that we have. Like part of it is the crowd because both times Black Panther, like when they see Black Panther, they get the roar. Uh, I wish and we talked about this a little bit. I wish Sam's line wasn't. Hey Cap! Hey Cap! Hey Cap! I wish they on your left, yeah, straight on your left. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's remarkable to think that this all started with a guy who built a suit in a cave with a box of scraps, <laughs> and then you see like, cool, we're in space, we're doing time travel, we got magicians and wizards, and we got space angels, and like we got all of this shit now, and it, it's when you see that all laid out. When you hear Cap say Avengers assemble finally for the first time, well, this to me was like one of the, it's a splash page come to life. It's one of the best things I've seen. I can't wait to see an artist try his hand at creating. Another, another thing that we said that we wanted, you got to say Avengers assemble. We got that. I said that I wanted to see the OG Avengers figure this out, not Captain Marvel come and save the day. I thought they were going to do it, but no, he pulls the power stone out and he even knocks her out. So uh, I got what I wanted, you know, yeah. uh, I, I, it sounds like I've been complaining the whole time. I'm having, I'm, I'm enjoying the movie. It's doing everything that I wanted it to do. I feel like, like, I think it's going to kind of be like the force awakens where the first time I saw it, I was just like so nervous. So many expectations that I feel like I couldn't enjoy it the first time. So I'm thinking the second time I watch this, I'm probably going to be like, okay, I can see why everyone else is kind of throwing their underwear at the screen at this. Because I right, love it, it more. Yeah, I loved it more the second time too, um, and I and I want to see it a third time um, because it, I really do enjoy the movie. I do wish that the battle scene was a little bit longer, or there were a few more moments that had a little bit more time to breathe. Um, that's not to say that we didn't get some great moments with Captain Marvel, Peter Parker, Doctor Strange, and Iron Man had their moment. Nebula kicking <laughs> the girls had their moment. I know they had to make you happy, right? It did. Like and then, five girls like all say, "Hey, let's all mobilize on this side of the battlefield so we can have our have our one shot moment." <laughs> I will say it's great. It worked out a number. It's great for the callback. I love any callbacks. Period. Like in any movie, um, I think callbacks are, are just a fantastic tool to use. And the fact that it's calling back to the Scarlet Witch moment, Infinity War, it's great. I think that had Marvel not put that scene in, like the writers had talked about. And then it comes out that they took that scene out would have been really would have been a rough look for Marvel because it is a great scene because you get to, again you get to see hey once upon a time people were criticizing that Black Widow was the only female superhero and now you have eight nine ten of them um, the Thursday night crowd that I saw the movie with there was about a group of fifteen women that sat to my right like right in front of me all came in with Captain Marvel jackets like they were a, a biker gang which A, was kind of awesome, uh, but B, when that scene happened, to see them pop up out of their seats and just start, like, furo- like just ferocious- ferociously cheering, it's it's stuff like that that makes me love movies like this. When you see people react so passionately about characters that 10 years ago they wouldn't have given a shit about. Like, let's be honest. 10 years ago, if we're trying to do this, like, who the fuck is tuning into an Iron Man review special? <laughs> right. No kidding. No kidding. But, you know, this is making me glad that I didn't go to your theater because that would have been like, all right, all right, let's all calm the hell down here. There's still a movie going on. <laughs> but at the same time, like, it, it, again, the scope of what Marvel has done to turn 
a theater that used to sit on their hands to that, I mean, sky's the limit for them. I mean, at this point, we, we've done, we've quote unquote done time travel. Like they can they can do anything they want now, any story they want, and we'll go along for the ride. But we have to wrap it up, and this was the one out of fourteen million. And you know when when Tony, when, I'm sorry, when Doctor Strange tells him, if I tell you, you know, it, it won't happen, and you're like, ah, you know what this is, you know what it is. Dread it, run from it, but it was going to happen all the same. And uh, destiny arrives all the same, Mike. But uh, you know, I am inevitable. I am Iron Man. That was a good oh, callback. Perfect callback. Great line. great line. I mean, the fact that he says I am inevitable, and I, I will say I did thought I really thought that they would have Captain Marvel like she takes the headbutt, which was up pretty cool. But the fact that he got the power stone overpowered her, I was like, oh shit! Like how how are they going to do this? And then you see Tony with the old sleight of hand switcheroo. And the sobbing begins from mm-hmm. people. And both viewings, it was the same. Is that It got real quiet. And then he says, I am Iron Man. And you can tell people want to cheer. And I really noticed it the second time. People really wanted to cheer. But once he snapped, like people were just sobbing. Like there was a woman who was like, she had to like, I thought they were going to have to take her out. Of the- <laughs> she was done. I was okay. I was okay. Until of course, again, Tom Holland has to, that dude has like a talent yeah, to, to, to get the feels out of people apparently. But yeah, that, that was, was that was perfect. And that's why I said that. I feel like that, that that's going to be like the uncle Ben yeah. for for the Spider-Man series going forward. It's going to be, you know, uncle Tony. I do think that for far from home, Tony will have left, a, whether it's a letter or a recorded message, he will have left something for Peter, and Peter will not. It'll be kind of like Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, with the cassette tape. Mm-hmm. Until the end. Uh, and Tony's going to say something along the lines of, with great power comes great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Characters should say that line in this, in this universe. It's Tony. And you know what? No one would be mad about it. No one would, Me, an old guard Spider-Man fan, would not be mad about that. No, and it's going to make us all cry again because that because tom holland will probably react really emotionally because that's what he's good at because I, the first time around i held it together until he starts saying like we want mr stark we want mm. calls him tony and when he called him tony i was just like fuck fuck why are you doing this to me tom holland because it just dagger in the heart dagger just dagger and this i don't even like iron man and i was like on the edge of my seat there just like shit well, I do. So you know how I was reacting. I was, yeah. I was, I was not having a good time. So it was pretty much from here until the, you know, the signatures where I was pretty much like eh, something in my eye for sure. The second time around, it's when, it's when he says "I love you" three thousand to his to his kid. Yeah. Oh, that's man. when I started to calm down. Then that again, I was like, oh, damn. for my wife, she had finally stopped until the, you know, your dad liked cheeseburgers and she saw because she. There's this stupid movie with John Favreau called Chef that she just fucking adored. So now she's like, she loves John Favreau now. So of course that would just that 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 got her. The toy. couple sitting next to there was a couple sitting next to me on the second showing, and they had held it together. And as soon as he says, "I your dad really liked cheeseburgers," the wife pulled out nap uh, tissues and like handed it to her husband, and like they're just both crying. They're just like could not deal with that and. I don't even have kids in like that line. I was just like, fuck, like, God, why are you guys doing this to me? Like, stop it. 
But for me, it wasn't the uh, the female one shot. For me, it was this funeral scene where they're just scrolling over all of these different characters, and you're just yeah. like, "Gee, I mean, even got the kid from Iron Man three back." I mean, it's just like. <laughs> Which, by the way, I totally guess. My wife's like, who's that? I was like, I think it's the kid. Maybe it's the kid from Iron Man 3? I have no idea. And I, I didn't even see Thunderbolt. She had to point out that Thunderbolt was there. But uh, that's that combined with the music, and you were just like, wow, man. End of an era, you know? It just ha- look, at all these, look at all these characters right here. And it just – you keep talking about think back to a decade ago. No one would have cared except us hardcore dorks. And the fact that these characters even- are now ingrained into our pop culture is just amazing. <laughs> But even as hardcore dorks, were were we excited that there was a freaking Iron Man movie coming out? Like Iron Man, no. A list. He's not Spider Man. He's not the X Men. No, no. I was like, when's the next X Men movie coming out? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm the person who didn't even know that Nick Fury was in it until I saw Hulk. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> the fact that they again, I said that the nice thing about this movie is that it up. They referenced Iron Man 3 in this movie, and I'm just like, I didn't expect that. Like, oh, yeah, no, he, this is that kid. Listen, I'm going to say something that might seem controversial. And it might be the emotion talking. It might be. But thinking back on it, you think about the risk that they took because Robert Downey Jr. was a flight risk when he got (laughs) this job. He still was. He was still a man. It could have been Tom Cruise. Yeah, right. So I know that everyone, you're going to ask them, what's the most perfect? comic book character casting of all time. And almost everybody's going to say Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. I'm going with Robert Downey Jr. as, as Tony Stark because that is an absolute home run. And I think when I, when it was announced, I was like, do I really want an Iron Man movie? No, not really. But that's, that's a perfect Tony Stark. If you know, if he, if he can get the fucking cocaine off of his lips, you know, that's what I was saying uh, when it, when it happened, but thinking back on it now and, and what we've seen, there's not ever going to be a more perfect comic book casting than Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. It's because he embraced it, and they and I've seen interviews, especially since this was his last go round. He he talked about how bad he wanted that role of Tony Stark and how he had never prepared for a reading as much as he prepared for that reading. And yeah, no, he 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 became the character in a lot of ways, and they've altered some of the the character and the comic books to fit his interpretation of it because it is he's lived so long with it, like. You can make a case, like I would listen to people who say Chris Evans as, as Steve Rogers is a pretty good casting. And it is. Like he has be he really has grown into the role. But that's the key is Chris Evans has grown into the role. Robert Downey Jr. has kind of always been Tony Stark. And this this entire thing doesn't work if it's Tom Cruise. If it's Tom Cruise that got cast, Tony Stark dies at the end of Avengers. Did I I love Tom Cruise, but yeah, I mean, come on. And I'm not saying that Tom Cruise wouldn't have been a good. No, Tom- he'd have been Tom Cruise, though. He wouldn't have been Tony yeah. Stark. He'd have been Tom Cruise. Yeah. He would have been jumping on the couches and all that. <laughs> he wouldn't have given 10 years to 10 years of his career to this. He you would- think back to Iron Man 1 and from the opening chords of Back in Black to him putting the arms up with the missile, the Jericho missile. In that short two, three minute stretch, I'm sold. Okay, this is perfect. Perfect casting. So, I mean, just you knew it right away. He didn't have to grow into the role. Like you even think about the first Avenger, you're kind of like, oh, I don't really know yet. And he even he had to grow into that role. That was the only one I think from the opening minutes where you're like, this is perfect. Couldn't have got anybody better. The fact that he ad-libbed the original I Am Iron Man line and the fact that 
that changed like the whole secret identity things in the MCU all the way to this movie. Mm-hmm. Again, if it's Tom Cruise, we don't get that. And I don't think, I mean, the MCU as a whole, I don't think is what it is if it is Tom Cruise over Robert Downey Jr. So, it, all right. So if you're if your heart's just like broken at this point, hey, we got one more for you. We got one more for you. And I was right. I was right. I might have got the yeah. time period wrong, but I was right. Steve Rogers is going to find a way to go back in time and be with Peggy. And you know what? I don't, I don't have any problems with it. You know what? You save the world for the 15th time. Let's go for it, dude. Go be happy. The first time around, I didn't really understand what was going on. And I think it's the emotion of Tony Stark. And I'm just like, ah, scattered. The second time I noticed that Bucky, he, he has clearly told Bucky what he's going to do. Cause Bucky actually says, Hey, I'm going to miss you. Like blah, 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 blah. Um, I'm of two minds of this. He, does he deserve to, to rest? Yes. Have they gone out of your, their way to, to tell you that Steve and Civil Wars, the, the movie, sometimes I really wish I could turn the other way. No, you don't. Yeah, right, I don't. How can Steve Rogers go back in time to 1945, knowing that his best friend is under Nazi control, killing his future best friend's parents along the way and like not change a damn thing. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Like clearly he. He's got some damn restraint. Cause I've been like, oh, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to go kill Hitler. <laughs> yeah. So from that sense, like it doesn't really jive with the character. On the other hand, it must have always been the way it was because again, the way that they have presented time, you're, Past becomes your present, your present becomes your future. And old man Steve knew exactly where to sit because there he is. And in theory, they didn't change a thing, maybe? Question. There's a hundred and there's a hundred and ten-year-old Steve Rogers sitting over there, and you know, he doesn't look a day over 80. <laughs> uh well I get it. if you're if you're yelling the super soldier syndrome serum, yes, I know, I get it. Are are you happy you're going to get your 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 uh, cap for Falcon Cap or whatever you want to call them, or were you expecting Bucky Cap? Uh, in the in the realm of the MCU, it doesn't make sense to have Bucky Cap because when you look back to why Bucky Cap was a compelling story uh, in the comics, it, it was because Bucky didn't have redemption. Bucky was still the Winter Soldier. And he was still covert, and it was actually a big deal when they when the public found out that an assassin was Captain America, and the whole story for Bucky was redemption. But Bucky has redemption because he is he's already been purged of Hydra mind wipe, and he's been a good guy, and he fought in Infinity War, and he fought here. And I don't think it would be as interesting if it were Bucky Cap, uh, because it is Cap Falcon. A Falcon Punch. I need to see it once. I just need to see. I need to see it once because that would make me laugh so hard. Um, I think it, it's the right choice. And again, can Anthony Mackie carry a movie? Who knows? I think that they'll use the Disney Plus series as a test run to see are people interested in watching Anthony Mackie rule the shield. I think it's a compelling thing. I think that the stories you can tell with with Anthony Mackie at the helm can give a character like Captain America legs for, again, another three three or so movies, or maybe one movie and he's just part of the Avengers. 
everyone keeps talking like, is this, how is the MCU carry on from this? So, I mean, this is how it's taking these characters and telling interesting stories, having, especially nowadays, having a black man as the face of America, the ass of America, if you will, <laughs> it's, it's compelling. Like there's a lot of stories. There's a reason why the Sam Wilson story worked in the comics. It's because it's taking something familiar and it's shifting it just a little bit. And it's shifting it in a way that's, again, what the MCU was, was reflection, a more realistic reflection of our world. Everyone worries like, oh, you've gotten so big. How do you keep topping yourself? Well, you don't top yourself. You get back here. You tell some smaller intimate stories and you find an organic reason these guys to team up one day everyone's disappointed that they didn't have an end credit scene but i mean we didn't know thanos was coming until the end of avengers one i say don't force the team up moment let the avengers name sit for a little bit have these solo heroes tell stories that matter to these heroes and then you can bring out someone and i have my idea and i'm gonna save that for our guests at the end but yeah, no, Sam Wilson, Captain America, I think that's one of the, that's a perfect way to bring it back in, bring it back close, and tell a good story and then let it breathe. At this point, it would just seem foolish to underestimate Marvel Studios, right? Um, <clears throat> I, have, I have been saying that uh, I'm treating this as the end game and more than just name. This feels like the end of an era for me because – Honestly, an Avengers team led by Captain Marvel with Scarlet Witch and Sam Wilson, Captain America, and Ant-Man, and maybe Spider-Man, you know, depending on if, they, if them and Sony continue to work out a good friendship. I don't know if that's really anything I'm here for. I feel like, I, th- I said the way I put this on Twitter is that I'm treating this like the Kiss solo albums. Yeah, you got some good hits here and there, but it was it always felt like a cover band. And I feel like we'll have some good times down the road but it'll never reach this levels to me without thor and cap and uh, and iron man so the nice thing is surprise me that's what i want surprise me because i feel like this is the downward slope i would say two things to that the first is that thor is our only og trinity avenger who will still be around because he is going to be an asgardian of the galaxy um he's the one that didn't die who didn't go and live in old age it'll be interesting the nice thing is it'll be interesting to see what they do with Thor, but they've also done a nice part of getting him away from Earth. So if they do a big team-up movie, he doesn't really have to be a part of it till down the line. So it's a nice sly way of getting him back into space and getting him away and getting the Guardians away. Um, the other side of that is your your next favorite MCU hero, You might they might not have announced the movie yet. Like That's the cool thing about the Marvel Cinematic Universe is there's still a shit ton of characters that they can introduce. And there's going, the nice thing is that everyone has their own favorite hero. Like going to that theater Thursday night, seeing like people in cap shirts, Iron Man shirts, Black Panther shirts, Captain Marvel shirts. I didn't see anybody in a Hawkeye shirt. Sorry, Hawkeye stands. <laughs> like everyone has their hero that they resonate with. And I, I do think that that's one way that this will continue is that, Hell, you it might be Moon Knight for you. Who knows? It probably won't be Moon Knight. I'm just uh, I'll go ahead and tell you it's not gonna be whatever Shang Chi is. I don't even know what the hell that is. <laughs> but, it's, probably, it's probably a better Iron Fist. Probably. But I mean the, the nice thing is that they did a nice job of ending this story, but also showing you like there's some things coming that could be really interesting. 
Uh, All right, Danny, tell us, you have a guess. What's coming? Because I don't think they're going to do Dr. Doom this fast. They're going to have to build up this new team to make us have a threat. Build up Doom. Um, Everyone says Galactus. I don't want Galactus. There's one. You want to know the best thing about building up Doom is you don't have to cast anybody. You can just have him in the mask. And you don't have to. You can, Okay, he's there, but we don't even have to cast anybody. So we can do a slow build with Doom. So there's one villain happy because he potentially would fix what I don't like about this movie. As we have said, time travel sucks. And clearly the Avengers have messed with the timeline. Because there's no way you can convince me that the timeline is back and perfect and restored because Loki ran off, Steve went back in time, all this other nonsense. And we got past Nebula running around in 2019 uh, for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, the search for Nebula. Um, Give me Kang the Conqueror. Uh, I knew you were going with Kang. Give me Kang, who's pissed off that the Avengers fucked with time and clearly didn't understand it, and let him just like rain hell on them for Avengers 5. Because that's what I need. And that would make this movie sit much better in my eyes at the end of it. It's, if it served that purpose for Kang. Which we won't know until the end of Spider-Man Far From Home. The official end of Phase 3. I'd be okay with Kang the Conqueror as like a mini arc. Not like the big bad that they're doing next. Do like a mini, like like a five movie kind of thing. Then didn't you have well, your team up? Remember, Avengers... Loki was your mini boss. Like we again, we did not get Thanos until the end of that movie. So we, I would expect them to follow kind of a similar pattern where we get a, a guy for Avengers Five, but we're not going to get a big bad until the end of that movie. And it could be Doom, could be Galactus, could be Mole Man. I mean, all three are viable options. Who knows? I could forget about King the Conqueror. Just go as Iron Lad. There you go. They have talked about doing a Young Avengers movie, so they could do Iron Lad. So they could seed Iron Lad and King at the same time and then make that reveal. And that would be, again, that'd be awesome. But who knows what they want to do with those characters? No, I would sit here and say, you know, hey, they ain't got that many great villains left, but they got all their stuff back. So King the Conqueror could be a mini boss, you know, instead of having to build him up as something. Because honestly, guys, do you remember anybody that when they showed Thanos at the end of Avengers, how many people were like, who the hell is that? Yeah, he was he wasn't a household name back then, guys. So they can build up a character that only the hardcores had known about. Hell, make it Modoc. <laughs> I'd be stunned if we see Modoc. I really would. Uh, if it wasn't, if they didn't cast Tyrion to play Modoc, I don't even know what the hell they were going to do. So. He's already in the universe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I will say though, I know we've talked about it, and time travel is a big thing that just didn't really. It's all timey, wobbly stuff. It still impresses me that Marvel put together this movie. And it works really well because it does hit those emotional moments, especially with Tony. And you can tell that because when they do the ending, when they uh, the curtain call ending is what I'm calling it, everyone stood up and applauded in both movies for Robert Downey Jr. And there's been chatter that Marvel is going to put the Marvel machine now that they know how to play the game behind Robert Downey Jr. as best actor nominee in the Academy Awards. And, you know, I don't hate it because he had people crying over him, sobbing over him. No, like a lifetime achievement kind of thing. I'd be on board. Yeah. I wouldn't hate that at all. I do think that, and I, I texted it after, I do think that this movie gets nominated for best picture next year at the Academy Awards. 
It's not a perfect movie. It's a really good movie. It hits all the emotional notes. I think it does win because of a lifetime achievement award, but also I think, hold up, let me rephrase that. It's going to get nominated because they want the Avengers there for the ratings bump because it'll be the first time that the Avengers assembled since this movie. And they wanted that this year, but they didn't work it out. The one way you guarantee that is by having it nominated. I think it wins. It's the, it's the one moment everyone wants to see is Robert Downey Jr. on that stage accepting this award. And I think, why not? Like, clearly it has broken every box office record. It'll break every box office record. For those people who think superhero movies killed the movie industry, I disagree. I think that it made people interested in wanting to go to the movies again because the box office has never done better over the past decade than it has. It would not surprise me. And I, I would love to see this movie win that picture because that would be insane. Well, look, they gave Netflix an award. So to me, it's telling me some things are changing uh, yeah. with the Oscars. So, um, hey, give me no host. Hell, Robert Downey Jr. host it. There you go. Here, you got your <laughs> uh, But uh, we said on the preview show that I feel like this is going to get the what Return of the King got, where it was a celebration of the entire achievement of the Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. trilogy and it, everything it was nominated for it won that year. So, uh, yeah, I could definitely see something like that. And it'd be fun. It'd be, it'd be cool. It'd be a cool moment. And you know what? Get me to watch. And I don't usually try to watch the Oscars. That's why I think that at the least it's getting nominated. So where are you placing it right now? Under your head. Where are you placing it? What? Just what number? You don't have to do everything that's in front of it. Just what number? I think it's a top 10, but I'm with you that it's somewhere between 5 and 10 for me. I don't know what the number is. And the reason, before anybody freaks out on me, is that as a standalone movie, it's good for me. It's great for me because I've watched all 21 movies. If I gave this to a random person and had them watch this movie, they wouldn't know what the fuck to watch. Yeah. <laughs> it's at the very least, they have to watch Infinity War to understand what happens in Endgame because you kind of have to put the two of those together. I don't understand it. Even if you watch like Avengers, Avengers 2, Avengers, Infinity War, and this, Civil War, and this and that, like, you have to watch all 21 of these movies to get any sort of like to get everything out of this movie. So I can't really sit here and tell you that this is the best movie when it's so dependent on everything else that has come before it. It's a great movie. It, it ends the story again. It ends the story really well. It, it's wonderful. It's emotional. I laughed. I cried. I I'm going to see it again for a third time. I, I can't wait to buy the box set because of this movie because they stuck the landing. But at the same time, it's so dependent on everything else that I can't sit here and tell you that this is the best singular movie Marvel's made. It's the exclamation point on the end of the sentence. And that's as much as I can give it. I'm with you. When I said that it was my third favorite Avengers movie, people like freaked out. Like, well, what, what, what do you got better? And I'm like, first, uh, Infinity War, which had everybody tell me everything that was wrong with Infinity War. And I'm like, okay, good for you. Uh, and then I saw the original Avengers and people just acted like I just said like age of Ultron or something. I <laughs> forget how damn good the first Avengers movie is. And not just because of the time that it came out or that it actually worked. That was one thing that we never expect that movie to work. It's a damn good movie. It's still good, but the bad Captain America uniform aside, <laughs> damn good movie. And I think that people, We'll go back to it and revisit now and be like, holy shit, I forgot how good this is. That movie is tight. There is like no problems to me with that movie. It is a very tight narrative. You get these 
some movies that worked and some movies did. Hulk didn't really work for me. Thor definitely didn't work for me. You know what? They were awesome on screen together. I mean, for me, I went and saw Avengers that first time where they're fighting Loki in the street and, you know, Cap walks up and says, you know, Mr. Stark and he says, Captain, I was like, my God, it's actually going to work. Just did it. So quit disrespecting Avengers 2012, man. That's a damn, damn good movie. And I think you forgot how much you loved that movie because you loved everything in Endgame that took place during Avengers because you loved Avengers. It's a damn good movie. Go back and watch it, guys. I will say the unexpected the unexpected thing for this movie is that it made Avengers 2 better to me because they've been airing them nonstop all weekend and I caught Avengers 2 and because of this movie a lot of Avengers 2 plays better because you know it actually matters and it doesn't feel as throwaway as it did in, in the moment because part of the problem with Avengers 2 at release was everyone was like okay yeah but what about Thanos what about Thanos and you didn't see that they were seeding Cap versus Iron Man. You didn't see that they were seeding Tony's like whole thing about that's the end game up there. You didn't see that they were dealing with the mythology of the, the Infinity Stones and everything that they did in that movie now just resonates better because of how it ended. And um, I, I think that's a, that's a great mark for the movie. But again, to your point, you can't just sit there and take Endgame as Endgame. Like it, it's so dependent on everything else that I get. People in the moment want to call it their favorite movie, and I, I'll get people who that too. I, I, that always happens with a new Avengers movie. I remember when Age of Ultron came out, and people were like, "Oh, that was so much better than Part One." I remember those guys. It's always like this on opening weekend. It's- but I'll understand it too in a month or two months from now if you love Endgame. Like, hey, more power to you. For me, in my opinion. It's not the standalone movie where if someone's like, hey, show me a Marvel Universe cinematic movie, that Marvel Cinematic Universe movie that, that would make me fall in love with the universe. It's not this movie. It's one of it's Iron Man, it's Black Panther, it's Captain America the Winter Soldier, it's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One. It's one of those four for me. Because those are the four where it's like start there, again, start small, build out. And if you just want something bananas, just put on Infinity War for him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I don't. It's just it's weird. We've we've talked about this. I mean, I I still remember back to watching that unveiling of the new slate of movies in Infinity War parts one and two, and it just seemed like it was so far away. And now it's 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 gone, and it's just. I feel like I want a time machine to be able to go back and, and experience this all over again because I said in my review that if this really is like the end for me and it's never this good again, the biggest thing I can take out of this is that this is the star Wars for my children now. And Mm -hmm. I have nothing but thanks for them for doing that because I'm glad they don't have to grow up just loving what dad loved, you know, that they get to have their own thing that they loved. And that's a big deal as a parent, you know, there's something that they can always be one day. They'll have their kids and say, Hey, watch these movies. I liked when I was younger and, They'll probably still be making them for being honest. (laughs) And for that, I just say thanks. You know, they, everybody wants to make this like some big competition between all the stuff, but you know what? It's made it to where this is a viable genre. It's a genre that gets respected and taken seriously now. And people see that it, it, it can, maybe it can be award winning stuff. So, Hey, again, if not, thanks for the entertainment, man. It's been a fun freaking 11 years. Yeah. We have come a long way from bat suits and rubber nipples. Yeah. I went to the genre. Yeah. 
I, for me, you know, it'll be interesting to see what what happens in Spider-Man Far From Home, especially that post-Stinger, because that's where I expect them to kind of give the nudge to the future of what's what's coming, what's going to happen. Um, I know Feige... It's something big since Feige says he isn't unveiling what's next until after Spider-Man. So they're asking... I, I think Spider-Man is part of their, their plan, and judging by the audience response to people on screen, Spider-Man should be a big part of their plan. Like, people love Tom Holland Spider-Man. He... He's funny. He's great. He makes you cry. He makes you laugh. I would, I would center the next three or three phases, whatever. I would center the next decade around Tom Holland, Spider-Man. Should. Here's the thing. I feel like if they had complete control of the character, like they own the character, I think he would be. They'd be foolish not to. I mean, who's the only character that sells merch even close to Batman and Superman? Spider-Man. Sometimes. Oh. I mean, go look at my kid's bedroom right now. We got Spider-Man sheets. We got Spider-Man curtains. We got, dude, he's got into the Spider-Verse pillowcase. I thought you'd dig that. Uh, so I'm just saying, yeah, that's the most marketable character. But I, because of the thing with Sony, they're like, no, Captain Marvel will be the face of our next wave. Look at what it was announced today, that the the team that gets into the Spider-Verse is now in control of uh, the Marvel Sony TV rights. So there will be at least one Into the Spider-Verse TV series, probably Spider-Ham. So Spider-Man is going to be pretty prominent. If you're thinking 10 years down the line, whose death would actually hit as hard as this, or if not harder? Tom Holland. Yeah, since he knows how to get the feels out of all of us. <laughs> 10 years from now, Tom Holland. Oh. Yeah, if he's our Spider-Man for 15 years, you know, we finally get a Spider-Man that lasts. Yeah, you could you could definitely, I mean, think about it. If if they'd have killed Iron Man in the first Avengers movie, it would have sucked, but it wouldn't have been having grown-ass men crying in the movie theater, would it? But, I mean, if I want to just voice it out into the universe, if you have Tom Holland play him for the next 10 years, that puts Spider-Man at about 27, 28, 29. I mean... Don't... Don't do it. Theoretically, you could go Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse live action, alternate universes, and you could do that movie in live action. That would be awesome, and I'm just going to throw it out there. Give me, a, give me a true Sinister Six movie first. You'll get there. We'll get our uh, Sinister Six. If you if, if, if end up seeing uh, Mysterio go to prison and he interacts with Vulture... And uh, is it scorpion? Scorpion. scorpion. I say lizard. I always almost say lizard. I've done this since I was a kid. I've always called those characters the wrong name, and I know the difference between the two of them. But uh, yeah, and you get a post credit scene where those three are like interacting with each other, and they're like, "Hey, you know, we got some plans or something like that." Then give me Doc Ock next. Shit, yeah. There's no way Marvel's not going to give us a Sinister Six. A true Sinister Six. I need I need the Sinister Six because that's the one thing in Spider Man that they really haven't done. Well, except for Carnage, but I don't need to fucking. See is, it. I feel like they won't give us Green Goblin until the very last one because they feel like they've they've distanced themselves enough from Green Goblin. That's, that fine. that's fine. No, no. Here's what I think would be fine. You don't have Green Goblin, but you have Harry Osborn being, or I'm sorry, Norman Osborn being a presence in the movie somehow, just not mm-hmm. as a Green Goblin. Just have him in the universe. Yeah. Hell, have him be Mayor Osborne or some shit. I don't want to see. I don't want to see Hobgoblin ever. Like, I don't want to see Ned in those spandex. I'm sorry if that sounds <laughs> cruel. That's fine. You guys just got a whole movie with Fat Thor. I don't need. I don't. I don't need Hobgoblin and spandex. 
I really do like the thick Thor thing. I really do. I thought it was. I thought it was great. What I do like is as Guardians of the Galaxy, though. I'm down with that. That's a good. If thing. it keeps Chris Hemsworth in the freaking universe, I'm for it because he he has found new life and it's wonderful. I, I have said that since since Infinity War. I was like, dude, I want I want Thor and Guardians three, and it looks like I'm hoping after Spider Man is out and we announce this thing that we are going to announce all these movies, and one of them is going to be that Guardians three will indeed have Chris Hemsworth in it. I hope so. Because that got me interested in, in Volume Three, and I didn't even give a shit about it. Come on, I'm in charge, right? That was good. That was good. Good. I mean, you can tell, right? They got the time and done. Did you see that? Speaking of Chris Pratt, did you see the Instagram video he released where they're at the? Oh yeah, no. Filming yeah. all the actors at that last scene. It's just like, what an amazing collection of talent. I, you think about how much movie this money, money this movie made. Think about what the payroll is <laughs> you know so, I mean, that's it's already made up that it's already made it up <laughs> they don't don't really be worrying about them they'll be they'll be they'll be just fine but and now marvel's gonna turn its attention at this point turn its attention to that 22 movie collection that they're gonna sell for about 250 dollars or 300 dollars more than that probably like 500 look i want to be reasonable i don't want 500 dollars right. It'll come in like some awesome collection, like a, a Iron Man helmet or something like that. It'd be, it'd be With an Infinity Glove. And- I feel like I at this point I just wonder at what at what point does Kevin Feige say I have nothing left to do and walks away? That's when I think we're in real trouble, or goes on to do something else. Maybe he fixes Star Wars, you know? So there was an interview before this came out on Kevin Feige, and it was rare because he doesn't really do interviews, and they kind of described his day and. I think he was doing finishing stuff, finishing stuff for in game. Um, he was in the editing bay with people and he was going and he had like four or five, it said unlisted projects that he's working on. So the man is, he's, he still loves what he does. And I mean, again, as long as he's, a, as long as he's that unifying vision, I'll trust, I'll trust where the Marvel's I said it would be foolish to underestimate him at this point because I mean, no. You just made $1.2 billion. Even after Avengers came out and it was successful, even then, if you said, hey, we're going to make a Black Panther movie, you've kind of been like, eh, I don't know if audiences are going to really go for that. You know? So, I mean, the, the guy can take any character right now, I think. And you got Captain Marvel, a character that a lot of people really honestly had never even heard of before a couple of years ago, just made a billion dollars. So, and it's it's still in the theaters, guys. It's still in the theater. <laughs> It's still I know like, some people who did the uh, the double feature. They saw Captain Marvel and then they went and saw <laughs> uh, Endgame. I, I wish I had it in me to sit in theaters for five, five, six hours anymore. Three know. hours. I will say three hours was it pushed my limits. Like I remember they released the original trilogy of Star Wars back in the theaters for the anniversary. It was in '97, I think, and I watched all three at the theater that day. That was that was cool. It's about the only thing I think they could have done. Maybe like a Lord of the Rings marathon or something. I don't know. So like a fee space around it or something. That's about it. I will say Rolling Stone had one of their writers sit in a theater and do the whole Marvel universe as a, as a marathon up to end game. That damn writer lost his goddamn mind. <laughs> yeah, I can think so. Cause he allowed to take a nap. Cause you know, you do get, you do get Thor three, Thor two and Iron Man three back to back. So there's your nap tart. He had two movies where he could sub out and like go home, but Man, as you read it, it's it's just he's just like falling apart. It's, so he got like no sleep. So he's just like it's just like in a row. For the most part, yeah. I mean, by the end of it, he just kind of gave up on it. He's like, I can't do this anymore. 
much. I hear people doing that. And I'm like, that's just too much, man. Uh, I, 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 I have been binge watched stuff at home and my sofa, but still we're talking like almost what 50 hours of movies. No way. No way. No. I mean, I'll do like when this comes out, like I'll do infinity war and Endgame back to back. Like I'll, I'll do that at home. When I can pause the movie and go to the freaking. Know, you said it wrong. You you'll do Thor Ragnarok, then Infinity War, then <laughs> Endgame. Right? Yeah. I mean, Ragnarok does t- lead right into Infinity War, so why not? There you go. And by the way, guys, this still below Thor Ragnarok for me. Believe it or not, still is. It's a great movie. It really is. It's because it's only going to age better too. It's going to be the most surprising movie of the Marvel Cinematic Universe to date because we. And we say it all the time. We didn't. We if it weren't for this show, we would not have watched that damn movie. Good times, good times. Well, I think we've probably reviewed about half of these movies now. So uh, I guess we'll reconvene for Spider-Man: Far From Home. Yeah. And hopefully, hopefully, it's okay. Because right now, I'm kind of like, uh, you know, it's I'm so I'm, I'm on Homecoming, so I'm, I'm hoping for a little bit of more of. My Spider-Man, this go around, but I'm just not expecting it. But hey, I'm getting Mysterio with the fishbowl. I'll cut my losses on this one. Anything to add before we go? Uh, Excelsior. Excel, nice, nice. Oh, what'd you think of his last cameo? Like yelling at hippies, or being a hippie, a hippie yelling at the military. I just like that it's a young Stan Lee because in my mind he's now forever young. Like that, that, I mean. To me, that's like the nice way to do it. It's like, that's the image I'll have in my head. I understood why they did it because it was the first one since he had passed, but I wish they had kept that open oh, flash with Stan for this one. Uh, my, I don't know my heart could have taken that. <laughs> no, I'm with you. No, that, that, was, that, was, that was really good. So, All right, guys. Thanks for uh, listening. If you're still with us, I mean, you probably feel like you're going through a marathon right now listening to this, especially if you listen to the Game of Thrones episode too. So, um, Thanks for joining me, Danny, and uh, we will uh, talk to you guys next week. We're just going back to regular stuff, just regular stuff. I mean, we'll do our throne stuff, but we're going back just to regular shows again. It's great. It's been a crazy, crazy couple of weeks now with 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 this, and 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 I guess we got what E three and Comic Con coming up. So never stops, never stops. <laughs>